Welcome all you good movie buddies to another episode of the Popcorn Diet, a movie podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like the salted pretzel you order at the movie theater but then is taken by somebody in front of you and you get their cinnamon sugar pretzel. It's not a bad trade-off. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. And David, it's been a while since we've done a regular episode. How are you doing? I don't think I've ever had anybody take my salted pretzel and end up with a cinnamon pretzel. So literally what happened was, and I know this is we're getting off track right away here, but like I ordered it and then you go to the area where you pick up your food, right? So what I did is I stepped away for a second because I went and I took my folks to see Black Panther. They were standing off to the side. So I went over there uh, and, and was discussing with them. And then I literally just watched the situation unfold where they brought out a pretzel and some dude walked up and took the pretzel. And I'm like, that motherfucker took my pretzel. But then I walked up and looked and I'm like, it's just to be aware. All I ask is for our good movie buddies out there, everybody everybody out there listening, just be aware of the situation because that man didn't get his cinnamon sugar pretzel. It's true. But either way, we both got a pretzel, so no harm, no foul, I guess. There you go. But that is neither here nor there, David. Black Panther. Hell yeah. Wakanda forever! I'm jacked. I've seen it twice already. I'm about to see it a third time. Black Panther's out this weekend. Breaking all kinds of box office records, having a, a midsummer or or a late December openings worth of box office in February on President's Day. We can have blockbusters all year round. Obviously, Marvel's uh, it's not really an origin story, I should say, but more of a solo uh, adventure featuring T'Challa, the King of Wakanda, and we saw it. We saw it Thursday night opening night when you thought i didn't have what it takes to see an a late night show anymore well it was 10 15 late it wasn't night show. it's not a midnight showing which i don't think you have what it takes to do a midnight well, showing anymore well why would we need to david we're in the day and age where we can see it on 7 p.m on a thursday why would i need to do a midnight show anymore it's the experience there's no reason for it's it the experience there's no reason for it it's nothing like fighting sleep while you watch a great movie i would be i would be on peds anyways i'd, I'd, I'd have red bulled it up it's nothing like, like walking out at 3 30 a.m from a movie I mean, you're not entirely wrong about that. <laughs> and thinking about going to work. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's the whole thing that I just I, I think you're right. I think that that time has passed me. Um, but, you know, we saw Black Panther and that is what this episode is about. It is all Black Panther all the time. Uh, it's one of we haven't done a reaction episode, I think, since Star Wars, um, because frankly, the movie scene uh, between January and February is usually pretty barren. It's usually pretty, you know, there's not terrible movies out, but there's just movies that I don't think warrant an entire podcast on. No, it's been improving. It well, has yeah. been shifting. The movie landscape has been shifting to where February's become like a sneaky good time to release a big movie. It's true. Deadpool, uh, I think, Black, Black I Panther. I think the first one that started that was really 300. That's when 300 did well you started seeing okay you've got valentine's weekend you got um president's day weekend you yep. got a couple good weekends in there where a lot of people like to see movies and it's cold so it's something that you know people can go do yeah they when they sit got inside yeah where exactly. there's heat in the in the colder regions 
Um, but you're not going to get many, and we'll talk about this more, you're not going to get many movies that are going to be quote-unquote Oscar movies coming out in February because it's just tough to keep that momentum. I mean, even a movie as good as Get Out, you right. know, maybe isn't getting all the love. It's got the Best Picture nomination. Right. Um, so it, it sort of broke the... Uh, the trend there, but there's definitely been some really good, like a movie like Logan. Yeah, definitely didn't get the love it deserved. And that was and a part m- of that might have been film? because it was a February March ish. Yeah, usually the frame. first. I mean, frankly, usually the first quarter of the year does not have uh, the highest of quality movies. It's it used to be the dump zone where people would, you know, if you saw a movie was opening on like January 21st, like oh. Well, that movie must be a piece of shit, yeah. you know, and and that's not entirely untrue, but you're right. It has been changing. Yeah. We've been getting quality, maybe not Oscar caliber movies, but we've she been had getting... like a movie like Hail Caesar, too, that came out sure. in February. Sure. So. Well, and I think, I mean, another thing, and this kind of ties into the theme of it, but, you know, and far be it from us, two straight white American males to talk about race politics in America. But, you know, February is Black History Month. Yeah. And you've seen, and you mentioned Get Out, Black Panther. There is something about that audience now, you know, where these these films that are primarily focused on African American, you know, audiences uh, are doing huge. They're doing huge numbers in February, and I just wonder if there's a correlation or a causality to that. It's possible. Could be. Could be. Could be. But anyways, Black Panther, obviously. As we as we normally do, we're gonna give some non-spoiler thoughts up front, kind of discuss the movie without giving anything away. So if you haven't seen it yet, number one, you are in the minority. You everybody has has seen this movie. Um, I highly recommend you go out and see it, um, especially especially if you're somebody who doesn't like Marvel films. Like it's there's a lot more to it than just your normal Marvel film, and we love Marvel films. Well, and also you really don't have to have seen any of the other Marvel movies for to be able to appreciate this. You're not going to be it missing helps, but you're yeah. not going to be missing out on any like inside stories or that kind of stuff. No. Even even the storyline and this is an a spoiler, but of you know how the uh T'Challa's yeah, uh how he died in the world building. Oh, earlier. T'Chaka. T'Chaka, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. Um how I will he, be I will be died. your name guard there you go. for this episode. Exactly. <laughs> There's some that are close. But anyways, um even even that they show again and show you how that happened. Obviously, you don't have all the background of what happened and who right. did it and all that kind of stuff. But it's enough to know how that how we're at the point that we're at. So it, they don't force you to be like, "Oh, what happened to his dad?" Like I didn't see that, you know, like that kind of thing. Right. They give it just enough to where if you were if you didn't watch Captain America Civil War, you'd get it. But Captain America Civil War served as sort of the origin story for T'Challa as the Black Panther. Yep. Uh, T'Challa is a prince of Wakanda. His father T'Chaka, um, it, it was the king. And as is with their um, their traditions, the king carries the mantle of Black Panther, mm-hmm. and he's given superhuman strength, speed, and abilities through a through a. A flower that mm-hmm. grows in Wakanda that's been I, – I, I have to think that that flower was um, a direct result of the vibranium asteroid that crashed Probably. in Wakanda. Um, and then this is the – this is coming home, you know, because if you're a king of a sovereign nation and your father dies, there's – you know, people are going to be gunning for the throne. 
Yep. And that's kind of what this whole movie is about, is people gunning for the throne. And I like that because it takes your normal um, Marvel, you know, I got to stop the bad guy, and kind of turns it into this Shakespearean, you know, monarchy-type situation with family members and things like that. Well, and to take from Civil War, too, he kind of took on the suit, so to say, of Black Panther. Right. Without, from what what it appears, without ever going home, you know, because his his dad gets killed on foreign soil, right? And he kind of takes up that mantle of Black Panther immediately. Like there is no like, you know, cool down period of a couple months where like all this stuff happened. Like, no, that all happened. Him wearing the suit, him being involved in Captain America: Civil War, him going after, you know, different characters from that. Um, all happened in civil war before this so right. he hasn't gone down and f gone back down to wakanda and faced kind of like the normal process of becoming king and becoming the black panther right and that's what i like about this movie is that is it's it it it, it takes the next inevitable step with that and i think that that's really really cool um, but yeah, I mean, without going into too much detail, that's essentially what it is, is it's a battle. It's a battle for the throne between several interested parties. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, discoveries are made along the way and people aren't who they seem they are and allegiances are made and and uh, allies you thought were allies no longer are allies. So there's a lot of, of moving pieces in the film. But uh, again, it, it less resembles a Marvel film up until the, the end, I guess, um, and more resembles kind of more of a, a Shakespearean, I don't want to call it a tragedy, but it has those, uh, those characteristics, you know, with the royalty and the parents and the siblings and the uh, rituals and the usurpers from outside who would have the throne, you know, that kind of stuff. That's you can see Bill Shakespeare writing that, you know, in his in, in his heyday. Um, but a movie is only as good as its characters and its actors. And they cast uh, when they announced Civil War. They announced that Black Panther was going to be in it, and they announced that Chadwick Boseman was going to be the Black Panther. And Marvel tends to go towards the way the way that I've heard it referred to online is when it comes to casting their roles, Marvel goes towards the heat. Sure, they go towards who's hot, and Boseman has been on a pretty steady rocket. It's basically played all the like major black heroes as of. <laughs> As of late, <laughs> kinda, yeah. I mean, I mean, what are some of the ones that he's playing? I know he you played got Jackie, Jackie Robinson, Robinson in Forty Two. Yeah, yep. you've got he played James Brown and Get On Up. Okay, so two two people that are about as iconic as they can be in the African American community. Um, yeah, in Gods of Egypt, he was the only. I guess what you would say, like black hero in that movie. The only black god in that movie. Yeah, in that movie. So he's that. He even was uh, Vontae Mack, who was in Draft Day. That, who was the yeah, who yeah. was the uh, the big name in that uh -huh. movie as well. So he was um, Thurgood Marshall too. He was as well. Like damn, damn, Chadwick Boseman. And the crazy thing is, is he's been doing this for like. I mean, he's not new to the scene. He's been like a guest he's on, on TV He's been on a series. lot of TV shows, but his first movie break was really 
42 when he yeah. was Jackie Robinson. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was his first big. And I don't even know if they did the. I can't even remember. They may have even done the introducing. I don't think they did the introducing. I don't think on so. That, but I his... mean, that was really like his his big break. Yeah. Because before that, he did one movie before that that came out. Um, the Kill Hole. The Kill Hole, which I haven't even heard, and he looks like is. he was Lieutenant Samuel Drake. It was a. Uh, let's see who was in this. That's a fake name. Billy Zane was in it. I mean, Billy that's Zane. all you need to know. So, but obviously it was a, from what I can tell, it was pretty much a direct-to-video almost. Yeah, it kind of looks like it. So, 42 in all, for all intents and purposes, was his first role. Um, and now he's the star in one of the biggest movies of all time. Yep. At least opening-wise. Yep. That's a hell of a thing. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, good on Marvel for grabbing them. You know, they've been... You know, and this movie is is no different. If anything, this movie is yet another example of how Marvel, just in general, has been crushing it with their casting, knocking well, it out of the park. Well, one could argue too, and and I can't remember whether this would have been cast already. I don't think it would have been quite cast yet. Yeah. But one could argue that Michael B. Jordan was there was more heat on Michael B. Jordan after Creed. Yeah. Than I, Chadwick Boseman. I think Chadwick had been cast already. But I also would say I don't think you could flip. I think you could maybe flip these roles and put uh, Michael B. Jordan in in Chikala's You think? Role? Possibly. Okay. But I don't think there's any way Chadwick Boseman could have done the job that Michael B. Jordan did. I think Michael B. No. Number one. As no. Killmonger. Um, but number two, I think Michael B. Jordan's too modern to be T'Challa. I think Chadwick Boseman has a, a a royal presence. You know, he's he's almost got this like this Denzel presence where he can be anything at any time and anywhere. He can be modern, you know, but he can also he also feels like a king. Sure. You know? And I think with Michael B. Jordan, I think they cast him perfectly, and I don't think you disagree with this. No. But because he is He's the guy who grew up in Oakland. You know, yeah. he's he's modern. Um, and maybe that's just because they're so damn good at playing their roles. But I think also with with Michael B. Jordan, you could have taken the character a little bit different than what you did. Because he, he could easily play the prince that's having to step into that For role sure. from that For standpoint. Sure. Michael B. Jordan could do anything right now. Yeah. That dude is on fire. But then, I mean, beyond just – beyond Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, you have, like, literally a murderer's row of – not only established, you know, African American actors, but also upcoming. I mean, you got Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, like that's Sterling K. Brown. That trio alone could run their own movie. Sure. You know, and they're three of the smaller roles in the film. Yep. You know, but Letitia Wright as as his sister Shuri is fantastic. Uh, Academy Award nominee Daniel Kaluuya uh, yep. from Get Out is his advisor. Um you have Michonne from uh, from The Walking Dead, uh, Denai Gurira. I think Lu is how I pronounce it. You got it. Lupita, who's been Oscar it. winner, Oscar winner Lupita. Like she and, and she's getting that Disney money left and right. You know. Yeah. Well, Got to imagine Lupita's making a pretty nice nest egg for she's, herself. She's gone nuts ever since Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, she won an Oscar. Got to get that Oscar. heat. Then she went to Star Wars. Then yep. she did Jungle Book. She Boom. was in Lego. Star Boom. <laughs> well, that was the video games. Um, but Collecting Black Panther, she's 
rumored to be in Charlie's Angels coming up. There you go. She's going to be in the next Star Wars again. You yeah. know, all that and, kind of stuff. And like, and then you got guys like Winston Duke, who this is like one of his first major roles. He's done like two things before this. And then you got the the reteaming of the Hobbits. Um, mm-hmm. You have Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis in there as well. That is top to bottom as far as the main cast goes. That is out of control. You know, that is so, so good. Um, out of all those, without like getting into it, you got. Do you have a favorite out of any of those I, in terms I, of characters? I mean, I still think Michael B. Jordan definitely just separated him from anybody himself from anybody else in the film. I mean, and that's not a knock on anybody else. I just think he was far and away the best person in that f- movie. I mean, and best role, best job in his role, yeah. best acting. You know, all that. I think. And again, I don't think it's one of those things like where you talk about like with sports where it's like the other people didn't lose the game. Right. Michael B. Jordan won, the won game. this game. He won that game. He put the game on his shoulders and he carried him to victory. Like, I would argue that I liked him more in this than I even liked him in Creed. That's a bold statement, number yeah. one. Number two, I don't entirely disagree. Um, but I have to give it I, – I, I mean, if I had to pick a favorite, I mean, it's hard not to pick Michael B. Jordan, like, first and foremost. But I think I have to go with uh, with Okoye, who is, who's played by Michonne on The Walking Dead, uh, Denai Gurira, uh, again. Um, and, and if I'm butchering that name, I apologize. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm trying my best. But, like, she is such a badass in that movie. And, you know, all of her – you know, she has one moment near the end of the film – that like made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. We're not gonna spoil it. We'll talk about it in the spoiler section. But she has just a couple of really great lines in the film, a couple of really great moments in the film. And it feels like she could like headline her own movie just starring the the bodyguards from Black Panther, just just starring that whole crew of people. Uh the Dora uh Milaj, the Dora Milaj, which is the the royal guard. They're basically the secret service of Wakanda, and it's all women, and they can all wreck you. Um, mm-hmm. She was awesome. She was great. So good. Uh, so that's – I mean I'd have to – if I had to pick one, you know, I would pick her. But everybody's amazing in this movie. Everybody's firing in all cylinders. Um, and I think that that's just one part of what makes it so good. Yeah. You know, you get beyond that and you get into the actual storytelling and and the action scenes and things like that. And that's what obviously makes the full, you know, the full picture work. But, uh, you know, we already talked about the storytelling a little bit. And that's I think that the storytelling is so damn sharp because it's telling this story of. I mean, obviously, all of these things are relevant. You have isolationism, you have race relations, you have uh, the oppressed, you know, rising up against oppressors and things like that. All of these concepts are very, very relevant right now. Um, But I try to avoid that just in terms of, like, general reviewing. I don't like that word relevant, mostly because, like, so what? You know, it it, it might be a relevant film, but that doesn't mean it's a good film. Sure. But – with Black Panther, they approach it in in such ways, you know, the way that, you know, T'Challa and Killmonger are essentially mirror versions of themselves, mm-hmm. um, which you see all the time in film, but they just do it so well here with the trips to the astral plane and how those trips are so different. Mm-hmm. Everything about their lives mirrors one another, and it puts them in a very 
understandable position, both sides, I think. Um, that That's something I really, really liked about it. Well, and I think to me, I know you were talking about how it, it was Shakespearean in ways. Um, and I think I think some of that is really just staying true to really showing like a culture um, that's rooted in Black Panther and showing a sure. lot of the history around like the African culture and a lot of things that they do kind of nods to to show a lot of respect. But also, I think, um, you know, create awareness to some point, I've, even though this is a fictional country in sure. Wakanda. There's a lot of things that they draw on from different pieces of culture in Africa, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, well, I think that there's a there's a phrase that's used with filmmaking. It's called Afrofuturism, mm -hmm. um, which this has it in spades. Sure. But you're right. Like the marrying of the, the the blending of traditional African culture, obviously with with the, I mean, you you can even see it in the buildings, tr blending it with the technology. Yeah. Um, blending it with modern times like there's one like they have the five tribes of Wakanda and one of those guys has the huge you know tribal disc in his lip yeah but he's rocking like the a gauge. business suit yeah. that's like lime green and like patterned and stuff that dude's cool yeah. like I love that guy well and I think but on the other hand like I think uh you know good good friend of the podcast Dallas who saw it with us as well yes. kind of brought up that in a lot of ways it felt almost like a bond film because technology was such a big role in this film. Very much so. Um, and there was a lot of gadgets and a lot of cool things that they they displayed. And I think a lot of that was showing, you know, how far ahead of the world Wakanda was, which is a big theme of this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and the impact that that had into what role they should play in the world. Uh, but there was a lot of things that you got a lot of really cool trinkets and gadgets and things like that that uh -huh. had a big impact in the movie as well. Oh, yeah. Well, his sister Shuri is basically his cue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, whether it be the the suit and the evolution of the suit, whether it be those little discs that they can throw on a vehicle and then remotely like run that vehicle. Well, and not to steal too much or spoil too much, but the, the first scene when they walk into her I'll say lab for yeah. lack of better terms. Yeah, that's pretty much true. Lab. Is basically straight out of a Bond the movie. The Q scene. The Q scene. The prototypical Bond Q scene. Right. Where he walks Bond through and shows him each of the new gadgets. Right. Even Here are like your shoes. Even Here like are these things. Even he sees gadgets that aren't for him yet. You know, like uh -huh. we even had some of that of like, oh, we're not using this right now. Uh -huh. What's this? Like, this is how it works. You know? Yeah, kind of it really, I mean, and it has some of the globe trotting of like a Bond film too. Like it, it has scenes that are set in Nigeria and London and South Korea and then mostly Wakanda by the end of it. But well, like Oakland it is that. Too and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it is that sort of globe trotting, you know, we're going to go on a mission type of thing. And maybe the mission won't go so well. Well, and it's got kind of your, and this maybe gets into some of the twists, but even you, it has that prototypical, you start out with a certain person that's the bad guy. And yes, then you kind of make good... your jump to the next bad guy, that kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. There's the henchman. There's the colorful yep. hen. Well, that's another, I mean, like, God, we could just get into it. Everybody's great in this film. I loved Andy Serkis playing Claw because he's just so weird and unique like you know his his little deal that he does when they when they when he first shows up with that one guard like you can yep. go or when he makes the deal in 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 South Korea like there are just little touches to his character that are so funny 
but he's just playing it so deranged, you yeah. know? He's having a blast. You we can need to find it. a way to get Andy Serkis an Oscar. It's well overdue. Don't at even this point. yeah, don't even get me started. We'll do our Oscar episode next week <laughs> and then I'll then I'll rage a little bit on it. Um I think you know, another big thing is is you know Wakanda doesn't matter if it's not beautifully realized. You know, and we talked about the Afrofuturism, but it go it's from everything. It's it's the technology that we saw. It's the moments when they're walking along the street and you just see like people using, you know, there's just normal street vendors. But then there's also like a hover train, you know, like the streets are still dirt and it's still very much Africa. But there's, you know, hover bikes. Sure. That's so cool. The way that they made this a fully realized you know, and, and at the same time, it's not just that. There are still planes with farms and rhinoceroses or rhinoceri um, who are awesome. I love that there were rhinos in this film. It's true. Uh, it's, it's such a great realized uh, world. But is there anything that you feel you didn't like or anything that didn't work? I mean, I think both of us agree, and I think obviously most of the reviews that have come out thus far – would agree as well, but um, I think there are a few things that maybe could have been better. Well, it's not like a perfect film, but it's pretty damn great. Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree. What What do you think could have could have been better? Well, I think um, you know, obviously, I think being the last Marvel movie before Infinity War, you would have expected a little bit more connection to what's going to be coming. Okay. Um, that being said, yeah, that yeah. being said, this is a for it's it's kind of an origin story for Black Panther, even though he was already introduced. Um, we did learn a whole lot more about a character we didn't really know much about um, at that standpoint, and it's a character that the general public doesn't know a whole lot about the history, and so I think you had to do kind of that origin. Um, I was fine. We didn't need, you know. Most of our origin movies have had some kind of heavy-handed tie to Tony Stark, um, <laughs> things like that. Like, I'm shocked his name didn't pop up in this movie, like, to be I, completely I, honest. I was fine with that. Like, we don't have to have that um, to tie into it. Um, and obviously, they did do the callbacks to um, to Civil War. Right. But I, I felt like there would have been something that sets the table a little bit. And obviously, you have the end scene credits, which we won't talk about yet. We'll get into that when we get into spoilers. Right. But, but there's not a lot. I mean, there's it's... not much to connect. There's nothing that even like everything seems pretty settled at the end of this movie. Right. Like, okay, the end. Like, we're used to like, okay, where's this going to go from here type right. of thing. And and I right. know everybody in the audience knows we've got Civil, or Infinity War coming in a couple sure. months. But you would have thought there would have been a little bit more of a even if it was a second you know normally or a third i guess we would have needed a third end credit yeah. scene but like even if there was something a little bit more there but that's i mean again we're getting nitpicky at this point yeah it's it, it is getting nitpicky some people i've actually read preferred it that way and i'm i'm it doesn't hurt or help the film for me um it is just a, a an observation more than anything i don't get why like so many people are against the connections like i've read so many people that are like finally it's not connected to the other ones and it's like well, i mean that's just as that's just a rich tapestry of world building like i don't understand why you hate it so much i have a question for you david is black panther the least interesting character in his own film 
And is that, number one, that is an overstatement. And that is not to say that he is not interesting. But out of all of the supporting cast members, out of out of Killmonger, Okoya, Nakia, everybody, Wakabi, Shuri, Mbaku, all of these characters, Claw, Killmonger, is T'Challa the least interesting out of all of those? Possibly, but I think that's partly because it's such a straightforward character to some point. It's something that we've seen before. Um, you've seen that, you know prince forced into leadership right maybe not quite ready right also discovering all those types discovering, discovering more things. about his father exactly. things like that like that's not necessarily an unfamiliar storyline for us sure and he's kind of you know i would i would say that he kind of plays it somewhat vanilla like there's not a ton of personality to chadwick boseman's black panther at least nothing that's like really memorable for me of like you know, little things that he does or things like that. Right. Whereas like, which is harder when you're a lead character to do that without it feeling like over the top. Right. Whereas when you're a supporting character, you can have those little things that you're, you're known for that you do and things like that. To um, me, it felt like Batman, like, um, in Batman films, Batman is typically the most is the least interesting character. I agree. Um, That doesn't mean Batman's not awesome. Sure. It's just that, you know, when you surround him with colorful characters, he shines less. Well, and you've seen Batman so many times, you know who Batman is at this point. Right. So you don't go to a Batman movie to see, I wonder who Batman is or how he's going to play. Like, you know he's going to be a rich dude that wears a suit at night right. and you know like all that kind of stuff you go to see like the joker how are they going to play the joker or like this random cop i've never heard of in the comments right that, or, you know, or, or even that. just gordon like oh they got jk simmons to be yeah. gordon oh that's cool so i think i think it more goes against like he's got to be kind of that steady force as the main character sure um and you do have an arc with him but it's more about you know it's also like bond i mean at that at point, I'd say in Bond movies, Bond is probably the least exciting character in there. If, yeah, if you're got, looking at who's got the most color to them, um, Bond you, is Bond. You you remember the different Bond movies for who he fought against, who are the henchmen, who's right. the girl, what's the plan, all that kind of stuff. Like that's what you always remember from those movies, and that's what I would get with Black Panther too. Like I'm not. I'm gonna remember the suit and the gadgets and the cool things that Black Panther did. Sure. But the characters I'm gonna remember are gonna be like Killmonger and Shuri and right. you know a lot of those right. other ones. Although, and, like, and again, you know, we're bagging on T'Challa right now. Like, that is not to say that he is not great. Like, he has several moments in the film where you know he's awesome. You know, without going into spoilers, like when he shows up at the end. And he's like yelling at Killmonger, like he's yeah. bad, he's badass. Um, and when, but but you're right, most of the time he's grappling with like, what does it mean to be a king? And you know, you saw that. I mean, Simba dealt with that shit in The Lion King. We've been watching that <laughs> since we were kids, you know. Yep. So it is a little bit more familiar than that. Um, but I mean, just in terms of the film itself. Like, just to to wrap up and before we get into spoilers, like, this is, like, you should go out and see this film immediately. If you haven't seen this movie already, this is, this is five popcorn. This is perfect popcorn level stuff. This is, um, I mean, we didn't even get to talk about 
the creative talent behind it, like Ryan Coogler, this is his third film. And he is he's he did Fruitvale Station, he did Creed, and he did this. Like that is a hell of a first three films setup. Um, do, you know, I, do you know the one common thing in all of that? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Kugler and Michael B. Jordan, man. Like, they're like Scorsese and De Niro right now. <laughs> like, Kugler has become very much like Taylor Sheridan, very much like Dennis or Denny Villeneuve. Like, he's become another director where I am going to go see whatever he's doing. Damien Chazelle, you know, those guys. Those are like the four guys right now. If I had to list off four, four directors that I would go see anything that they do. It would be those four. So he's rumored to do his next movie's a movie called Wrong Answer. Okay. It's a math teacher. This is IMDb stuff, so it's Allegedly. super early. Yeah. A math teacher in Atlanta is scandalized when he looks to get funding for his school by altering his students' test scores. Do you want to know the one person that's rumored Michael to be Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, also, they're going to want to bring him back for Black Panther, too. But, you know, is, is he the, – the question is, like, Kugler's got to be able to pick his project now. Like, he can do whatever he wants, you know. Do you realize Kugler's our age? I don't want to talk about that, David, because <laughs> it's going to just make me feel like a failure. All right? Um, so, yeah. So to wrap up the non-spoiler section, go see Black Panther. Uh, it's amazing. It, it's literally – if you haven't seen any of the other Marvel movies, don't worry about it. Just go see it. Just yep. stop what you're doing. Turn this podcast off and go see it. Um, before we get into spoilers, though, I want to do my little, uh, my little, my little pitch. You know, with the popcorn diet, we want to sort of expand this community of movie lovers, of 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 a community where your favorite movie can be Black Panther, it can be Gandhi, it can be Clueless, and it and it doesn't matter. You know, um, it, and that's getting harder and harder to find. I think online, particularly. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to find movie communities where you can have favorites or like things without being chastised by other people. That's just the world in general. But, you know, in order to expand, you know, we want – we need your help. So if you're listening to us, wherever you're listening to us, do us a favor. Like, rate, subscribe, share us, throw us on Twitter, throw us on Facebook, tell your friends, whatever it may be. And also give us a follow on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. We're doing a really cool thing now called the Hindsight Awards where we're looking back at past years of Oscar winners and redoing them to see if the test of time has held up for the existing winners or if other movies maybe stood out as more deserving um, in hindsight. So you can go to popcorndietpodcast.com and actually see those articles and actually read them and vote on them. And then we'll be doing our Hindsight Awards uh, episode, I think, next week. Um, but – with all of that being said, we're going to get into some spoiler stuff about Black Panther. Basically, just talk about the movie as if you've all seen it. So if you haven't seen it yet, get out of here. But, uh, but yeah, I think – God, I was going to just yell. I think my favorite part in the movie – I'm just going to get this right out of the way, right? My favorite part in the whole movie is is in the middle of the huge battle at the end. And there's fucking armored rhinos running around and there's spaceships getting shot out of the sky – and it's amazing. Um, you have uh, uh, you have uh, Wakabi, who who was the guy who basically he didn't turn on T'Challa, but he sided with Killmonger, mm -hmm. and Okoye, who are lovers apparently. Mm -hmm. And she stands in front of the rhino, and the rhino stops and licks her face, and she's and he's like, he's like, you would kill me, 
And she goes, for Wakanda? Without question. And, like, fucking puts the spear up. Like, that's the baddest ass part of the whole movie <laughs> to me. That was so fucking cool. And I've been wanting to talk about that because I've seen it twice. And that when she's just, like, throws up the spear, like... Oh my god, dude! It's so good. What are what are some of your favorite parts of the film? If we're just gonna go into like scenes, um, it's tough because I I think for me it's it's more like a culmination of things. I enjoy you know a lot of the whole movie, um, and there's not ones that like really rise above the others. Obviously, the end scene is is something that you're always looking to in a Marvel movie. The final battle. You you need a, a good payoff from that. And I think this, you know, pays off, you know, checks all those boxes. You sure. get the showdown um, between um, Killmonger, Killmonger and T'Challa. I know there's a lot of T's. And obviously we get that scene where we get to play into some of the technology and that kind of stuff. You also saw you know, him go after, you know, the three guards and you had that little mini fight it's scene before him. Evolution of action beats. Yeah, absolutely. And and you have everything that's going out on in the field when he first comes out where you've got um I mean he first walks out and he's like like I the when he, the challenge well first off the waterfall challenges which we'll get to in a second but when he walks up and he's like the challenge isn't over I have not yielded and clearly I am not dead yeah and then Michael B Jordan's like nah I'm done with that like yep. I, I love that yep yep and obviously you had the whole thing of you know part of the whole storyline was that um, the guard their job is to defend the king and right, so the they throne. were or the throne. Um, and so they were by his side, even though they didn't like him. They right. stuck to their duties, and that's where it comes into like the tradition and that. Um, and then you had uh, Daniel Kaluuya's Wakabi's character uh-huh. um, that had that excuse to go to Killmonger. Right. So he never really had to betray Chikala until that point right where he came back and obviously it wasn't over but he still decides to side with killmonger well t'challa let him down he didn't bring yep. claw back killmonger yep. kidnapped claw brings claw's dead body which i do want to mention though like as much like i love andy circus in this film he's mm-hmm. delightfully crazy i am sad that they killed him um but this is the thing i was this is this kind of leads and this is getting off track of of favorite scenes but I would argue that this movie more of than I can remember. Usually, you just maybe have the bad guy killed, the main bad guy killed. Right. This movie we had multiple like characters killed. Yeah. From that standpoint, you had Andy Circus. You had probably two of the more memorable characters from this movie. Comic book killed. Yeah. And I say comic book killed because in comic books anybody can come back at any time. Sure. Because we. We saw in this movie a guy get shot multiple times, had his spine hit by a and he's fine. a bullet, and he was healed, you know, a day later, twenty four right. hours later. So I don't think that anybody is ever for sure dead. But this. I don't think they're gonna bring these guys back. I don't think so, because I don't think it serves the purpose of of probably the direction that they have things going. Yeah, it would cheapen what happens in the film too. Exactly, exactly. But um I I don't think I obviously we're not gonna get Killmonger back, but I mean, there could be a way that you could work in Claw or Claw, but 
again, I don't think that's going to happen no. with with the way that they resolved it. Um, but for me, I think some of the moments. I mean, I love the car chase scene as far as is action moments, action sequence, yeah. Um, transitioning from the casino scene and all of that that um, whole sequence is just like this big massive two-part action scene that's excellent i really enjoyed actually i would argue on the waterfall i actually enjoyed the and not just because the result was the good guy won but i actually probably enjoyed the the first fight between um mbaku mbaku yeah the gorilla yeah uh um, well in the comics mbaku is known as man ape yeah, but they and he wore like a gorilla's head on yep. his head, and the mouth was opened up so that his face could be seen. And obviously, they avoided that because that's like racially sure, racial tones. That is a slippery slope there. But they kept a lot of the gorilla aspects of him with his costume and the fur and just his general like demeanor. Well, and I did enjoy, and he was great. The dynamic that that he and his tribe provided to it because right. you were given the history and it was talked about how that group went up into the mountains right the jabari went to f they focused on the gorilla gods and they went up into the mountains yeah. yeah exactly but it was a whole thing of them kind of fighting against this whole progression of technology and incorporation of technology and staying more traditional right um but obviously still being a very powerful tribe yeah um given that that's where they went. And so I think it was cool to see how they were incorporated, um, kind of the old and the new, because you had, um, you know, everything that's going on with the different tribes, and they were the only one out of the five, I would say, that really got highlighted from that standpoint. Sure. Um, Even though the five were very clearly, like... Yeah, I mean, some were green, some were blue, and, right. you know, like that kind of thing. And right. And you, that's, I mean, that goes back to just production design. Like, that's sure. just smart choices. Yep. Um, I think the other thing I enjoyed, one of the other scenes I enjoyed, um, I really liked how they introduced um, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, the whole museum scene. Yeah. Um, even the picking of the mask and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I really enjoyed that whole scene. Um, I like, um, especially in that scene, is where I really noticed it. Um, I told you, I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you turn your phone. I'm going to the computer. Take I'm going to take um, your computer and your phone away. <laughs> but that's where I really noticed um, the music really start to make a big impact in uh -huh. the background. And I think Kendrick Lamar did a phenomenal job. I mean, it's not very often where you get a rap, hip-hop, whatever you want to call it, sure. artist that's in charge of the overall music for like a Marvel movie from that standpoint. And I know there was other people involved in score and well, stuff Well, yeah, like the that. score was done by the guy who, who worked on Creed, uh, Ludwig Goransson. Sure. And he, uh, the score is phenomenal. The score is phenomenal, but there's a lot that's driven by Kendrick Lamar in this sure. movie too and in a lot of scenes. And so um, I really like that scene. So again, I don't know that I have ones that really stick out. Obviously, the one that's easiest to go to is is the fight scene, is the couple moments that you mentioned. Right. Um, but to me, this movie, even though it's, what, two and a half hours long? About. Um, 220, I think. It moved quickly to me. It doesn't feel like it no. at all. It doesn't feel like 220 at all. Um, yeah, I, I am, and not only, are, I mean, again, you know, action scenes are only good as the characters in them, and the characters and the different dialogue and character moments and lines in the film are again what helped to build this uh, this world, you know. Um, like I love one of the reasons I love Umbaku so much is because he's f 
fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Like the part where he threatens to feed Everett Ross, like I will feed you to my children. And then he's like, I'm just kidding. We're vegetarian. <laughs> like that shit's hilarious. Or even later on when he's just, are you done? Like, are, are you, are you done? Is this, am I, can I, can, will you go? Like uh, stuff like that or stuff like claw, you know, when uh, almost everything that claw says is unique. Sure. You know, and it's not something that you would typically say uh, you would tip you. You would anticipate, you know, a villain saying, you know, like, oh, it's a big posse. What do you have a mixtape coming out? He's like, yeah, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I do. Do you want the SoundCloud link? Like, we'll get you the SoundCloud. Link. Like, I love shit like that. Um, I, I thought that those two were a couple of my like favorite in terms of just like character moments and lines and stuff like that. I love the stuff that they had to say. I love Killmonger. How, I mean, I guess now's as good a time as any to talk about how Killmonger and T'Challa were, they're mirrors, you know? I mean, yes, uh, it's obvious by the end when they're both fighting in Black Panther costumes and, and, you know, uh, Killmonger's is gold and T'Challa's is purple, purple being royalty, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and whatnot. But, like, the way that T'Challa's father was taken from him, you know, and he sought revenge, but he decided not to let the anger consume him. At the same time, T'Challa had the benefit of being raised in royalty in this like bubble of wealth and having a pretty nice life. Well, and if you will remember, he almost did let the the rage get the best of him. Oh yeah. In in Civil War, he's wants to kill the guy. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to kill Bucky. Bucky did this. I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And then he finds out who really did it. And he's like, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. But then he sees what the rage has done. He sees what the anger has done, how it tore apart the Avengers. And he's like, no, like the living, like when um, Zemo's about to kill himself and he's like, the living are not done with you yet. Yep. I love that shit. That's great. But Killmonger, on the other hand, I mean, again, very similar. His dad is killed. Yep. Different, slightly different circumstances. Sure. But instead of having any type of support system, instead of having any type of of family or anything like that, he's left in the mean streets of Oakland in the 90s to grow up. Mm-hmm. And that informs and that is exactly why his character – is more modern. Like to be completely honest, I when I first saw the movie, I was kind of surprised at how, like, mo- I mean, I can't think of a better word than modern, but how he's just like, you, you know, with the mask, he's like, no, nah, I'm just feeling it, you know, like he's just like he's just talking like a like a regular dude, mm-hmm. um, and that's because that's what he grew up in. He's he's grown up in oppression. He's grown up in. 90s Oakland where you had the race riots and Rodney King. He's grown up through all the shitty things that minorities have had to go through, not only in in this country without getting too far into it, but around the world, um, slave trading, Africa as a nation in general. And the way that it informs these two would-be kings and how they would take and use the technology is fascinating. I love that shit. It's well, so good. Well, and you even have conversation early on um, with Chikala where he talks about, you know, we've always been in isolation. Did you I say think- Chikala? Did I? I think so. <laughs> Anyways. Um, 
We're just talking about isolation. Yeah, where he's talking about isolation and he talks with, um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, Naki, was it Nakia that he's talking with? Um, about What's he talking about? When she comes back, when she he rescues her uh-huh. from, well, not rescues her. Takes her off the takes mission. Takes her off of the spy. mission. Because she's a spy. But he talks, they, t- they get into conversation about how Wakanda's been isolated for the most part. Right. Um, and whether that's the right, right. the right path. Right. And he's even talking, I think he talks with his mom at one point about, you know, she says the reason we have is because your first job is to protect Wakanda. And if, if the world learns of it, then that could jeopardize endanger it. and jeopardize everything that we have here. Sure. Um, and so he already has struggled with that at one point in the movie about not feeling completely sold that, you know, they're making the right decision staying in isolation. Sure. Um, and then you get Killmonger who comes in with saying this his, isn't the right way to do things. Obviously, right. his thing is let's give them the weapons. Let's oppress, let's just like, let's oppress the oppressors. Right. Whereas at the end of the movie, we get you know kind of he comes all the way around and decides to be involved in the the world and make people aware of who Wakanda right. is or right. what Wakanda has. Um, and, you know, talks about buying the block there in Oakland and that kind of thing. And, and I mean, you know, even the fact that they land the ship in front of a bunch of kids sitting right. in the park, not that, you know, that's going to, you know, make newspapers right away because you're landing in, you know, the hood in Oakland. But right. um, at the same time, like it's just taking that step forward. And so he's not necessarily going away from what Killmonger wanted to do just the way that Killmonger wanted to do well, it. Well, yeah, Killmonger wanted to wage war. He wanted to, like you said, turn the oppressors into the oppressed. But there's a difference between that and what ultimately T'Challa lands on, which is humanitarian aid and refugee programs and reaching out and helping the world. There's a difference between oppression and help. Um, and I think, again, that goes back to the way that these two these two boys – what their upbringing was. I mean, I mean, even Killmonger's last line, which hits like a fucking ton of bricks when he's, when they, you know, he gets stabbed in the chest and T'Challa's like, we still may be able to hear you. You know, we could heal you. And Killmonger's just so full of, he's, he's, he's had to live his entire life independently. He's so full of, of anger. Um, and he just says, he's like, you know, why would I let you do that? So you could imprison me. And he tells him, Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors because they knew it was better to be dead than to be in bondage. And he yeah. pulls the sword out and he fucking dies. Yeah. That is some heavy shit for sure. a Marvel movie, man. Absolutely. That is – and that's still – that's so powerful. And that so informs of just the mentality that Killmonger was coming from. And that's what makes Michael B. Jordan and Killmonger – such a great villain and i even hate calling him a villain he's more of an antagonist an antagonist doesn't necessarily have to be a villain but you can see all the justification for everything that killmonger wants to do you know he wants to be king of wakanda he comes in he follows the rules he fucking does it and then he's like i'm just gonna make the judgment call like we're just gonna change our ways right now um sure it's so and it's so fucking good, dude. I can't even tell you how good it is. Uh, I can't even t- like aside from the fact that Claw doesn't make it through the halfway point, like and they kill him. And aside from like 
I mean, I can't even. Now that we talked about all this spoiler stuff again, I don't give a shit about any of of the quote unquote shortcomings. Like it's <laughs> so fucking good. They have a battle at the end where rhinos are running around in armor, and Black Panther tackles one of them. That shit's straight out of the comics. Yep, that's amazing. Um, I guess that's pretty a pretty good segue for like Easter eggs and where we go from here. Um, like, there's a lot of shit they pulled from the comics here, but but uh, obviously it's not a big connection to the MCU. There's no Infinity Stones. There's no Thanos. There's no Avengers, except for one sort of at the end. Yeah. Um. So where do we go from here? Obviously, it's Infinity War. That's in three months. Three months about. Two and a half. May May is it May fourth or yeah. something so like that. Three months. We're still in February. So obviously that is the next inevitable step. Infinity War. If you haven't listened to our free refill series, going through all the Marvel films, listen to that. We're recapping all of them. Um, but you know, there we talked about how they killed the two interesting villains. But then and, and that everything sort of seemed like, all right, he's the king now. But there's a lot of smaller stuff that could be explored. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously there's a number of topics in here uh, right. that are implications. Um, one of those being um, the the end scene, if we're talking Infinity War, is, is You're talking the, uh, the, the stinger, the end credits? The stinger, the end credits, not the one where they're at the UN saying that they'll be a part of Wakanda, which we'll, we'll talk about that as sure. well. Um, but you see Bucky, and he's apparently fixed. So if for those of you that don't remember, end of Civil War, basically he goes with um, T'Challa and Steve to Wakanda. Yep, and, and he says him. they're basically going to freeze him until they can figure out how to reverse what right. was done to him. Right. And so it looks like they did. It seems like they did because he's awake and he's not. And I think there's a know, tie-in comic that talks about how they had to basically reprogram his brain. Sure. And, but with that, um, they call him the White Wolf when he wakes up. It's true. And the White Wolf is a storyline from the comics, which is not Bucky. No. Um, it's a white character who basically, I think his parents die in Africa, uh-huh. and um, the Black Panther at the time, um, which I think was T'Chaka. T'Chaka. Um, takes him in okay and he's almost like an adopted son from that standpoint ends up becoming the head of the like police the okay guard or that okay and they refer to him as the white wolf in that role and there's a whole story Alina, about how like t'challa <laughs> t'challa you got t'challa. it no, you got it yeah um, <laughs> and some of these them kind of names, have man. have division because um, you know, they're both in essence, quote unquote, sons of him, sure. one obviously being actual son. Sure. Um, and so White Wolf kind of has to leave Wakanda and is more of like a mercenary at that point. So there's that whole thing. Um, I don't think they would actually go to that because obviously Bucky's not the White Wolf. It no. could be one of those things where it's just them doing a little Easter egg in there for all the comic book lovers to hear that term of white wolf. Yeah. Or it could mean more that maybe Bucky's going to be more permanently in Wakanda and serve a role in Wakanda instead of going back into the outside world. I mean, cause you have to remember if he's to go back out into the outside world, 
he doesn't exactly have a good reputation. No. He's killed a lot of people. Yes. Um, probably wanted by a lot of people. Yes. And so staying in isolation in Wakanda and helping there might be the better route. And if we remember from the Infinity War trailers, he's one of the characters that's, if I remember right, is one of the characters that's in Wakanda. Yeah, in he's the got trailer. his. He's got a new arm and 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 all that. And so it'll be. Yeah, I mean, seeing where Bucky lies. I mean, obviously you have the comics to pull from, but the comics didn't – the movies don't follow the comics because in the comics, Cap dies at the end of Civil War and Bucky becomes the new Cap. Exactly. But, there, I mean, obviously none of that happened. Yep. Like we got a lot of potential there. Yep. Um, I, I mean, I like going to the, to the second scene. I like that they came out and it's just like Wakanda's public now. Like we're going to help with humanitarian aid and refugees. And then the one guy's like, with all due respect – like, what can a nation of farmers offer the world? And, like, everybody just smirks. Yeah. Like, you fucking don't even know. You don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know. Look at my spaceship, bitch. Like, um, that's will be that'll be really exciting because it brings all of this tech that is even more futuristic than what Tony does sure. into the world. Well, and that's, to me, could set up the transition as well because Downey Jr., is only signed through the last Avengers, Avengers 4, whatever right. you're going to call it. Oh, man. Um, and could someone like Shuri, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, sure. Um, the sister uh -huh. help with the transition of that. Could she be the next like tech person? The next, but there's there's maybe? also there's also the whole concept of technically she would be in line to be the next Black Panther it's if true. anything happened to Chikala. Yeah. It's like it's it's if I mean, I'm sure I think it's even happened in the comic books where the Black Panther was. I mean, they even talk about it like Nakia uh, in this movie. Um, they talk about her taking the herb and getting the power um, like the Shuri's in line so that if T'Challa were to fall or were to go missing or were to, you know, renounce the throne or whatever she would be next in line and she's fucking great in the movie so like suiting her up in black panther like that'd be dope well we also don't know obviously they've got to bring back those flowers in some way because technically we're yeah. led to believe that they burn that whole crop of them for lack of a better term yeah. and that they there's gotta be the last one was used to bring him back but uh, obviously, that can easily be explained away in that as well. Sure. Um, one thing that was a little surprising to a lot of people, I think, both in this movie and in Thor Ragnarok, uh -huh. was that we never found the last Infinity Stone. The final stone. The Soul Stone is the one that we're waiting for. Is that the last one? The Soul Stone's the only one that's missing. Um, the last one that we were introduced to was in Doctor Strange, which was, I think, the Time Stone. The Time Stone, yeah. Um, so we're still missing the oh, Soul shit, Stone. you're right. Huh. And I think everybody thought it would be in one of these next two movies, and that would kind of close the whole book on, okay, now we know where they all are. Uh -huh. And Thanos is obviously coming in, <laughs> in Infinity great. War. So, I mean, we don't know. So that's something that... Infinity War is going to have to resolve um, is I mean, where yeah. that last stone. So, I mean, everybody's theory is that it could still be in Wakanda because why else would all of um, why would Thanos send his troops? Why to would Wakanda? they be going to Wakanda? Why would they be going to Wakanda if that's not where it was? Sure. Um, and who knows? Maybe Bucky's playing a role in that. Bucky and Cap because yeah, they're both maybe. in Wakanda. Who knows? Um, 
I imagine if I'm making any predictions, and then again, this isn't off of any spoiler site or anything like that. Sure. I would imagine our first half hour deals a lot with the Soul Stone and probably Wakanda. Like, I don't know based off of the trailers, but I'm guessing that stuff that's happening in Wakanda, I'm guessing that's the first half of the Infinity All War right, movie. I can see that happening. I can see that happening for sure. Um, I mean, I think... So, I mean, the fact that we're getting to the end of phase one and we don't know what's going to happen in phase two, or I'm sorry, not even phase, phase. one, phase three, we don't yep. know what's going to happen in phase four. Um, like, if there is going to be a phase four or if they're just going to call phase one through three something. But the fact that we're getting set up with, like, Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Ant-Man, all of these characters to kind of carry on, even if the old guard doesn't come back. Like, you know we're getting another Black Panther movie. You know Black Panther's in Infinity War. Like, this guy is a world leader. He's a superhero. I mean, just from a dollar and cents standpoint, there's no way Disney doesn't make it. I mean, this this no. movie for a three-day weekend is going to be the fifth highest and not that far off of the first Avengers. Think about that statement. Yeah. Like, Avengers was massive. Yeah. No other the closest it ever got back to it was 16 million of that with the se with the second Avengers. The the closest any you know individual uh story was Captain America Civil War and that yeah. did 179. This one's at 201 projected and that's not even the final results from it. Um I mean that's massive. So there's no way you can't follow that up, but I do think there's such a high bar set for it now, sure. which isn't I mean, it's not like Disney's scared of that from that standpoint, but no. um, you you set the bar so high in the casting and the characters and all that kind of stuff, and it'll be interesting where they go with it from there. But one thing that Disney did say, um, as I was reading up on kind of where they're going from from phase for phase three, uh -huh. is that Avengers four will end this. As it as it's known, like right. this Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? As it's been going, like the whole interconnections of this storyline. Obviously, the Infinity Stone storyline will finally be resolved. That's been built up, but I think the Disney CEO or one of the higher ups at Disney said, "We've got the we've got the rights to seven thousand characters, and we plan on using it." So yeah. I think. It'll be interesting to see if they try to put together a storyline that connects in some way again. Yeah. Or whether they'll just start coming out with like single films and, and maybe you show cameos or group ups from other people, but there's not some bigger story. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard after they're, they've done 20 plus movies or it'll end up being 20 plus movies. Right. Um, to think about like, oh where do you go? We've been talking about Infinity Stones for better part of a decade yeah i i can't i mean yeah with without getting too far into it it's it's gonna be a hell of a thing um the i mean i think from what the fa i mean just going through from what phase one used to be into the kind of movies that we're getting now and the type of movies that marvel and disney can make um and have success with are awesome and i'm excited for the next one i'm excited for infinity war uh but for this episode, I think that about wraps it up. Um, so as as I mentioned before, do us a favor. Wherever you're listening to us, like, rate, subscribe, share us, uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, at The Popcorn Diet. But 
go and go god go see black panther because it's awesome and you're really missing out if you haven't seen it but for the canadian machine mr david melhorn that is going to do it for us i am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we'll see you next time just before the oscars for another episode of the popcorn diet adios